When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Today on Barca Talk, Messi suffered an injury and will be out of action for three weeks, and the club members have made it known that they are not fans of the new club crest. We have updates on Barca women and Barca B, and the first team top the table in a 4-2 defeat of Sevilla. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me as always from Madrid, Spain is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. It is it was an interesting day yesterday in La Liga, man. Yeah, uh, seriously. Wow. By the time Barcelona played, it was like this this day seems almost jinxed. I'm a little bit worried here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously Madrid lost yesterday to Levante, and as we were talking kind of before, Lopetegui's kind of fate uh today in the in the sports show they were talking about if he will even make it to the classico next year he might get fired this week so sure. very interesting twist of fate for him from being the spanish national coach to real madrid to maybe unemployed yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i sort of yeah. love it because i again i just really didn't like how that whole thing went down you know with the the national team and Lopetegui, and because I liked how he was going with the national team, I didn't have a problem with how he was managing them. I thought he was on onto something with his project there. But then he pulls this real. I mean, I think he pulled a dick move. I think Real Madrid pulled a dick move. <laughs> and then, of course, yeah. the the uh, Rubiales, the Spanish Football Federation president. He it was just dick moves all around. It was yeah. a it was a devil's triangle of dick moves. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree, right? He tried to, he tried to, you know, improve his career. I get it. But at the same time, you know, it's just funny how the last couple of weeks with the way they've been playing with kind of no inspiration, obviously they're missing Ronaldo's goals and just losing to inferior teams like Levante yesterday. So he could be out of a job and they're talking about bringing Solari or Conte as the new coach for the Classico. So welcome to La Liga. Wow. Well, I feel like that would at least give us an advantage in the Classico if they do that. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, because you're still going to be better off with the the devil you know or the manager who you don't like, but who's at least, you know, been working with the team for weeks in a Classico versus some brand new guy. Exactly. Exactly. And a brand new guy who who may not even speak Spanish like Conte. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I have actually I have some um, some funny news for you. Okay. Concerning uh, the podcast. Did you know that we're the 27th most popular professional sports podcast in Zimbabwe? 
No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, we are. Let's say, let's say for twenty six. <laughs> yeah, we're looking to dethrone checkered flag Formula One from BBC Radio. <laughs> we are doing better than the Ringer NFL show in Zimbabwe. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, that's good to know. That's our. Yeah. We're huge in Zimbabwe, is what I'm trying we're to say. Huge in Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> So the beginning of the season, our goals were what? To win the Champions League, La Liga, and to be the top podcast in Zimbabwe. Yeah, and we're we're on our way. <laughs> I don't know how we're gonna I don't know how we're gonna beat Checkered Flag Formula One from BBC Radio, but we've got yeah. we gotta find a way. Well, let's shift over to some Barcelona news. Of course, the big news this week was uh Messi's injury, right? The uh, the club confirmed after the Saturday match against Sevilla that Messi suffered a fracture to uh his radial bone in his right arm, his forearm. Uh, he'll definitely miss the Champions League match with Inter and the Clasico next week, as well as all the games for the next three weeks. So he's going to be out for three weeks. He's going to miss about six matches. And uh, we were looking this up and talking about this before we started recording. Messi has not missed a Clasico since 2007 when he was out with thigh problems. And he was a regular starter at that point. I, that was still under uh, Reichard, but uh, he was pr- you know, pretty regular at that point. And uh, he had those thigh problems then. So it's been over 10 years. That was December 23rd, 2007. And now October 28th, 2018 is the the only other Classico that Messi has ever missed. So we can talk about the injury, but then we can talk about just the incredible longevity on this guy. Yeah, exactly. Once they figured out his injury problems, he's been, you know, solid starter all, all throughout his career. So... And as also we were talking before that this is going to be the first classical without Ronaldo and Messi as well. So both of them. So this is definitely an opportunity for a new player to take this moment in this classical. So I wonder who's going to step up and make a kind of moment for them in this match, because it is for the taking uh, for sure, especially with Messi and Ronaldo not being in this first classical. Yeah. And if, <laughs> if Real Madrid, if Perez replaces Lopetegui, I think I think it's it's really up for grabs. It could be it could be anybody. It could be Dembele. Coutinho could potentially really shine. Yeah, I can see that's good. I can see Coutinho. Yeah, that's good. That's um, a good call. You know, of course, Modric is still really strong for Real Madrid. Um, you know, Asensio could could have a thing. True. <laughs> Asensio could, could have a moment. He could have a moment. Bale too. You know, yeah, Bale but, uh, especially since yeah, especially since we're playing at home. I think we're definitely. Uh, a player of ours is going to have a better opportunity to shine like Coutinho. I, I I could definitely see Coutinho, especially after his brilliant performance last night against Sevilla. Yeah. And yeah. And you just reminded me how the, we haven't had a Clasico without Messi and Ronaldo since before Ronaldo even came to Real Madrid. So we're, we're in a transitional phase in history. I mean, it's just sort of a, a chance by chance that Messi's going to miss this one due to this injury, but you know, now that Ronaldo's out of La Liga, this, I mean, we've, we've enjoyed a decade of incredible Clasicos because of these two. And now that's over. Yeah, but also, you know, this this Clasico, I think, has kind of lost a little bit of its sexiness because, you know, both managers aren't very fiery, you know, like Pep and Mourinho back in the day. And also without, the, you know, the top super players, right, Ronaldo Messi. Obviously, I'm still geeked for the Clasico, but it's just, sad you know that Messi's not going to be there but again it's it's an opportunity for a player to take this moment and I really hope Coutinho takes it because you know right now when we have this lineup that we're going to go over with the Sevilla he is our 
you know, basically our playmaker now, and he has the ability to score goals. So I can definitely see him taking this and just kind of putting him in another level because you know how Classicos go, you know? If you perform well in the Classico, you're a legend forever. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, you know, a Classico is always a big deal to any of your your major, you know, your club hardcores, your Sosis and your hardcore Kules and and the, on whatever their counterparts are on the, uh, on the Real Madrid side. For the global audience, it's it's not going to be as sexy like you've pointed out because you know we don't have these manager conflicts, we don't have these major players, uh, it, but it's always going to be a big deal to the uh, the hardcore fans. And speaking of hardcore fans and members and socies and all that, at the club AGM last Saturday, which is the um, the sort of the the congress, the meeting for uh, for members. The vote on this, uh, the new proposed club crest was postponed after the majority of members who spoke on the topic were against it. So President Bartomeo decided to just remove the vote from the meeting's agenda, calling for, quote, internal reflection about the preferences and needs of the Sosis. Maybe it's necessary to call a referendum to decide something as important as a change of crest. So basically, he was getting a lot of pushback from the thousand people or so who were at the uh, this meeting and he decided to just not vote on it in the meeting and instead he's suggesting that maybe they should have a a club-wide referendum which would be putting it to a vote for the entire membership of the club to decide whether or not to change the crest and of course he wants to change the crest for whatever reason and uh, he's getting a lot of pushback on it so he decides to just not vote on it i mean what we talked about what did what what was your thoughts? I don't remember your thoughts on the crest. Did you like it? Were you anti? I mean, did you? I'm you- fine with it personally. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind that the letters aren't there. I don't mind that it looks like like an app icon for my phone. That's you know that's fine with me. But I imagine a lot of the members are a little bit older. They're yeah. they're actually quite conservative in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a good point. And you know, I have, like I I agree with you. For me, it didn't matter uh, either way. As long as it has the same kind of ideas and colors of the club, I'm I'm okay with that, you know, with the flags and so forth. So for me, it was okay. But yeah, everyone was up in arms about it on Twitter and on Facebook. And yesterday when they, when uh, Bartomeu announced this or over the weekend when he announced it, uh, people were very happy and celebrating this as well. So Again, sometimes uh, Bartomeo is just a little tone deaf with what he's trying to do, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, just trying to pass these new things, you know, with other things on um, the business side, they're usually pretty good about it. You know, as we talked about with some of the women's uh, things they did in the summer with uh, putting the women in the back of the plane, these type of little things, you know, kind of just a little tone deaf on a little uh, aspects of what they do for the club. So this was just another one. So at least he was able to respond and halt it. So that's well, you know, that's, that's well, good. yeah, no, but but what he did was he postponed the vote. He didn't. It's not, it. There's still the chance that the crest could change, right? So actually, him postponing the vote is a play in his favor. He's trying to he's trying to somehow postpone things, or he's trying to table it. For later, and it, he's suggesting a referendum because maybe he thinks that if the entire club votes on it, then it'll pass. But if he were to have put it to a vote in that meeting, it would have been voted down, and that that's not what he wants. So, I mean, not only is it tone deaf, but it's it's also a little underhanded, I think, to have I, to I, postpone the I vote. See. 
Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, so yeah, so he's just, you know, that's why he's such a good politician, man. Is he, he just knows that he knows. <laughs> I mean, he just knows those rules to get the things done that he wants to get done. Well, I mean, that's yeah, it's, it it's to, within yeah. his power, I guess, to postpone yeah. vote. But it's also politically maybe not smart because all the people at the meeting saw him do it. And that's, yeah, that's not true. good. <laughs> that's true. But again, he's just trying to, you know get his agenda and his things pushed through and that this is the way he's going to do it. So, yeah. I, and I don't see that really working for him in the long run, but <laughs> I guess if, if, if he's willing to go to the mat for this crest, then if that's the hill he wants to die on, then I guess that's his right to do that. I guess so. <laughs> Bart, Bartomeo's hill, right? <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm not sure if it's really, the most important thing that the president yeah, 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 could like fall on his sword for. But if, you know, again, if, if that's what he, if that's, if he wants to die on that Hill, then it's his, then that's his choice. We'll take a short break. And when we come back, we will have updates on Barca women and a special feature on Barcelona B. We asked one of our listeners, Zach in Cincinnati, what he likes about Barca Talk. The fact that you guys tie in a lot of the Peñas in the U.S. and it almost feels like my own little Peña that I'm a part of because there isn't a lot of that culture in Cincinnati. You don't really hear about the U.S. side of it a lot. And he's not just a listener, but he is a monthly supporter through Patreon. The reason that I started to do the Patreon was when you guys wanted to send the kids to the Barcelona camp. That was something that I thought was really cool, something that I can get behind. Patreon supporters are the primary source of support for this free podcast. But as a supporter, you get more than just the podcast. I do like having the little sneak preview podcast early in the week. Really, it's just kind of feeling that collective membership of being part of this own little pena. Bonus episodes, commercial-free episodes of the regular podcast, and Barca Talk merchandise. These are the benefits of supporting Barca Talk. Check out the premiums you get with a monthly contribution at Patreon. Just follow the link in the notes for this episode. Okay, we're back. And I got to tell you, I'm really out of sorts this week because uh, just we're recording on Sunday as we normally do. Just yesterday, Saturday, or actually more like Friday evening, I had my last cigarette. Um, it was Friday, 5.30 p.m., I smoked that was the last time I smoked a cigarette and uh my brain is just not doing so hot right now because I'm constantly sort of like calculating the seconds that it's been since then <laughs> Yesterday was actually pretty fine I but I I hardly did anything I um hardly did anything I I did go to um a place to get a Barca Talk banner made and I'm picking that up later today, actually. And the reason I tell you this is because Barca Talk will be, well, Brian, I will. I will be, you'll still be in Madrid, Gabriel. I'm going to be in Chicago next weekend. A little bit of tourism. We're going to go see a concert Saturday night that Megan wanted to go to. And then Sunday is the Classico. So I'm going to be in Chicago next weekend for the Classico. And I will be out with the Peña Barcelonista Chicago with uh, Barca Talk merch. 
to promote the show and watch the game. And I'm not sure where it's going to be at this point because the game is on the early side. It's going to be something like 9.45 a.m. Chicago time. But if you're in Chicago and you want to come out, uh, check the Peña Barcelonista Chicago Facebook page to see where they're going to be meeting up. Stay updated on that and uh, come on out and say hello. Yeah, it'll be that. That should be fun because last year, remember, we went, you went to San Francisco and you had an early match. You had like what? You had to get up at five a.m. that yeah, time or something. It was. I think the game started at six a.m. Yeah, maybe it was yeah, yeah. weird. It was crazy. That was that was definitely a lot of fun. And then um, you went to another Classico too, right? You went to Toronto or I was Montreal. I was in Montreal for a Classico uh, last year with the Montreal Pena. You know, I like to tour. I like to tour the places. I for think the it's Classicos. Cool. Yeah, of course. <laughs> course and they're first of all they're great cities and get to hang out with your members classico what could be better yeah you know kind of weekend away get to know people help the grassroots program to spread the word of barca talk so i'm all about it i'm very jealous yeah so i mean if you want me to come visit your pena in the spring classico uh start telling me now and maybe we can make that work i don't know maybe it's not it's not really an official thing but <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like it's not a thing that we necessarily start organize. We start somewhere, you know. yeah. But like, if you huh? know, if you want to enter that lottery, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like my jaw is, <laughs> is I can doing see that. weird I... things because. Yeah. <gasps> you know what's really what's really weird about it though is that it's all mental. I know. I smoked to the. I did not smoke enough to have a serious physical dependency on nicotine okay honestly and yet i've been smoking basically nonstop for the last 23 years it's all in my head yeah and yet here i am doing weird things with my jaw anyway i (laughs) I do want to move on with the show i don't want to belabor this now that i've started talking about it of course there's the chance that i could not ever stop um but Let's. Uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about Barca women. The uh, Barca women played Huelva on Sunday, winning 3-1 to one with goals from Keira Hamroui, Alexia, and Vicky Losada. Next, they'll meet Levante on Wednesday to make up for a postponed match day two. Should they win that, they will be tied with Atletico on points and games played in the table in first place. Next weekend, they'll continue their league campaign against Real Betis, and we will have a full report on the women's team from Michelle Taylor. Now, with Barca B, you know, after a poor start they had in Segunda B, they lost their first two games. They have been trending up in the third tier. On the heels of last week's 3-0 defeat of Ontinient, the youngsters drew Villarreal B 1-1 on Sunday. But our Barca B correspondent, Max Bluer, tells us about an international milestone for one of the Barca B players. Max filed this report. This week was a momentous one for one of our favorite Barca B players here at Barca Talk as Balou made his debut for his adopted nation of Canada, playing the final 35 minutes in a 5-0 victory over the Caribbean nation of Dominica. Balou Jean-Yves Table, just Balou to his mates, was born in Abidjan, Ivory Coast, but moved to Quebec aged 8. The young winger made his breakthrough at Montreal Impact, where he shared a dressing room with his fellow Ivorian Didier Drogba, before making the move back across the Atlantic to Barcebe in January of this year. Like many young wingers these days, Balou prefers to cut inside onto his stronger foot, the right in his case, although he has played on both sides of the pitch for Barca this year. This, of course, gives him a greater goal threat. He scored in the very first game of the season for Barca and he also got one in one of his three starts last year in Segunda. Yet goals are not what define Balu's game. He's a born dribbler, able to beat his fullback both on the inside and out, and not shy about humiliating him with a step over or two in the process. He also has a powerful shot on him, 
and has sufficient passing ability and vision that he has played a couple of games as a central playmaker for the impact, although he himself has admitted that he prefers the freedom and wide-open spaces of the wings. To mark his call-up to the Canadian senior squad this week, Balu gave an interview to Sportsnet, a Canadian radio and TV station. He talks about how the club gives him Spanish lessons after training several times a week. He also described Barca Bay as being on another level compared to MLS, with coaches and training sessions that are much more demanding. I mentioned earlier that Balu is a fellow countryman of Didier Drogba, and having been born on the Ivory Coast but lived in Canada since the age of eight, the decision as to which country he would represent in international football was very difficult for the young man. His was a pretty unique situation, playing in the country he grew up in, but on the same team as an idol in his country of birth. You'd think that Drogba would have had the odd word with Balu, nudging him in the direction of the elephants. Ultimately, though, he chose Canada after speaking with head coach John Herdman, who Balu says put no pressure on him to choose Canada telling the young winger that the most important thing is that he'd be happy with his decision and putting no pressure on him to choose his adopted nation, presumably in contrast to the Ivorian FA. Balu also mentions that what Canada has done for him was a factor in his decision. Barca have produced a couple of dribblers in recent times, in whom we had great hopes. I'm thinking here of Gerard Delaveo and Christian Dale. Sadly, neither of these two truly established themselves in the first team. We can only hope that Balu can buck the trend. It would be nice not to have to spend another fortune on a dribbler, as we have in the recent past on the likes of Dembele and Neymar. That was Max Bluer. After the break, Ter Stegen proves that he is the ultimate goalkeeping machine. Welcome back to the final act of Barca Talk this week. Uh, We're going to talk about the match with Sevilla in La Liga. It was uh, match day nine at the Camp Nou, and we won 4-2. to And you know, it's interesting how in the minutes before this match, the rest of the day's games having been played already, and we've talked about this, Sevilla was in second place behind Alaves, while Barcelona were in fourth, you know, because we had four straight winless matches. But uh, this win put Barcelona back on top. In this very strange uh, weekend that in addition to Olivez holding the top spot for a few hours, you know, we also saw Real Madrid, Lucio Levante and Atletico drawn by Villarreal. But you just I just want to highlight Olivez for a moment and how well they're doing this year. The fact that they were in first place and they're, you know, now what, in second or third? Yeah, they're playing really well. So yesterday I had an interesting experience watching the match. Uh, I usually watch the matches on the weekend at my local bar that has the La Liga matches. And when I entered the bar, uh, someone was having a birthday party and they seemed to invite basically all of Madrid, apparently. Uh, (laughs) It was like a club in there, which was a popular person. (laughs) Yeah, it was really bizarre because, you know, it's just a normal, typical Spanish cafeteria, like just, you know, bocadillos, the game, beers and whatever. And this person, you know, basically had their party there as a a pre-party, right, before they were going out for the night, essentially. And it was super loud. Uh, it was very difficult to watch the match. So I watched the first half there and then went to a different bar to kind of capture my thoughts <laughs> to watch the match. Because uh, it was quite a scene. You know you, you know when you're not expecting to go to a club and you just yeah. like roll up and all of a sudden there's a club out of nowhere. You're just like, what? What just happened? You know? Yeah, like I you're mean, expecting to, to just watch a football game and instead you walk in and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's hard and, to do uh, that for 45 minutes and pay attention to the game. Yeah, my friend was trying to talk to me, and I couldn't understand her. She was standing right next to me. I was like, I can't deal with this. You know, I just cannot deal with this. So we went to another bar, and it was definitely the opposite. We went in, there was like another couple there. (laughs) And that's it, and the game. So it was definitely 
a better experience. But, um, you know, this was going to be a big game from the get-go, and I was curious to see how Barcelona was going to respond, especially after their latest run of matches. You know, with the international break, I think it definitely helped them because, you know, from the get-go, they looked they looked really on fire. And so let's go through the lineup really quick. You know, we had Ter Stegen in goal, Semedo instead of your boy Sergi because Sergi just came back from uh, injury, Piquet, Langley, Alba, Busquets, Rakitic, and Artur, Coutinho, Messi, and Suarez. So Artur getting the nod. You know, Artur, I think, had a really good performance last night, and I think that was a good move by Valverde to keep him in that midfield role to get him some more confidence and more playing time. I think he's definitely going to be the the starter, and I think this is our strongest lineup, and I think this is the, the lineup we're going to see in the next two matches against Inter and the, and the Clasico. Yeah, I agree. And also, I thought Semedo was a little bit better in this match than he's been recently, at least as far as what I'm looking for from him. Uh, and b- because on one hand, he started the play that got that first goal, which I, th- I thought was a very good play. He did that very well. Um, of course, then a couple minutes later, his defensive spacing almost gave up a goal to Sevilla. The shot came off the post, but he just gave them all kinds of space. So like, he's still kind of disappointing me at times, but he's starting to look better. Uh, since we were up on goals, though, it gave Valverde the chance to uh, keep Semedo on the pitch and in right back. And when he put in Sergio Roberto in midfield for Arthur, I thought that was a good switch. Uh, overall, Sergi didn't really have a huge impact, but in his first few minutes, I thought he was making some really great plays. So uh, I was interested in the Semedo Sergi uh, uh, situation, and I thought again, I thought Semedo did a good job. He's looking better for me, but still almost gave up a goal, which wasn't great. And I thought Sergi uh, did well in midfield. Now looking to Sevilla and how Machin had it set up, he had them set up in a three-four-one-two with their midfielders dropping back into defense when they were under pressure. And uh, it was a shape that had some defensive weakness, obviously, with only three three backs, but more presence in midfield. So when Machin was with Girona, right, he implemented some interesting tactics against Barcelona with the man marking of Messi throughout the whole match, trying to limit his playmaking. And so I thought for sure he was going to try something unique in this game. And obviously having the players in Sevilla at a better talent than Girona, I think he could implement that. But, you know, this formation, they don't play it that often. And you could have seen in that first goal, there was a little bit of confusion uh, going on because the players kind of overlapped and, and left the hole to continue. Now, when you implement like a new kind of strange or interesting formation, you know, you have to get through the kind of those first 20 minutes to get some of that confidence, you know, and if you're able to get through those first 20 minutes, you start to, you know, understand each other and you kind of see the spacing and you start to build from that. But since Barcelona were able to break through, you know, within the first 25 minutes, I think the formation didn't wasn't as strong as maybe it could have been on paper. So Machina was trying to take some chances, obviously, to try to get some points. You know, he was playing with house money and obviously in the first 20 minutes we were able to break through. And so that formation had to be uh, scrapped. You know, the other thing too, obviously our other big talking point here is uh, Ter Stegen's performance. You know, I think it's one of his best matches. If you were to make posters of Ter Stegen, this would be the poster match, right? I mean, how many times did he look like Superman? Yeah, there would be like four shots, you know, the, the uh, four um, images, I should say all those, those two double saves that would be the poster just from that one game, and you could sell that poster for years. Ter Stegen soars, and then down to ground level to deny Sevilla twice. Mark andre 
man to Stegen. Ankles turning one way, knees turning the other. Karma Sutra style in getting the job done. What a stop, Per Stegen! Oh. Another double save! Oh my! Brilliant saves! He denies astonishingly here and here again. The quickness, the sharpness, again, the bravery to attack the ball. He gets the job done again. You're in good hands. Mats. Mark Andre Thurstegan. Magisterial. Exactly. I mean, that last night, uh, you know, especially with the game still kind of in the balance a little bit, he made those two key saves. But, you know, we've always seen his brilliance because we watch the games, you know, the way he passes, his athletic ability. And he's definitely underrated, right? No one ever talks about him as a top goalkeeper. It takes, you know, a performance like this for that to kind of be the talking point, especially here today in the Madrid media. They were they were finally acknowledging it. But, you know, we've seen the past few years how much he's developed. He's such a great passer already. And obviously, his, you know, shot stopping has become better. And so now, you know, he's going to be the German number one goalkeeper. And, you know, in La Liga, it's him and Oblak. You know, if Oblak is your more traditional type of goalkeeper, you know, uh, more physical uh, shot-stopping ability. But I think Ter Sagan is definitely the newer type of goalkeeper that you want, you know, with the shot-stopping, but also with the passing. Yeah, you know, that guy blows my mind. I just really can't believe Ter Stegen. So many times he comes up, not just big, but... Like incredibly big. He comes up huge and really saves us sometimes. I mean, yeah, we sort of decided the game in the first 15 minutes, but then Messi came out with an injury. And I think after that, Machin saw some opportunities because Messi was out and they're creating these chances. And then this guy, this German guy, you just can't beat him twice. He had to make double saves, and both times he, he did. Uh, they were And they were both really incredible. The first one with the hand, second one with the body. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, he's he's he is sort of the goalkeeper of the future, certainly for Germany, but also his style is a little bit more, uh, more modern. He's got some more hockey action in the way that he uh, saves shots. But yeah, his... And he fits that Barcelona goalkeeper profile of being really good with his feet, really good with passing and comfortable. And he's another build-up player from the back. If people didn't realize before, I think, yeah, like you were saying, people are going to have to recognize now that he's one of the top goalkeepers in the world, if not the top. Now, I just want to talk about Sevilla's goals real quick because uh, they had their first one that came off of Longley's attempt to head the shot clear. And um, it was just... One of those things where it was there was no way to save it, but the second goal that they got in the 91st minute from Muriel, that was a funny one because Semedo was tracking him, and I guess Semedo just ran out of gas completely because he wasn't even trying to keep up with Muriel. Muriel had an easy shot, and, and he put it away. I guess in the 91st minute, I guess maybe you don't really care that you win 4-2 versus 4-1, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but just like you said, right, uh, Ter Stegen came up incredibly big, and the only way they beat him was a golazo from Muriel, which was an, a great goal, and also deflection, right? I mean, everything else that they tried, they either hit the post or Ter Stegen made a save. And his two double saves are, you know, those saves that they you watch the goalkeepers do those drills where they make the save and they have to do like a quick get up from the ground. And those two times were just, you know, those were textbook if you're, teaching a goalkeeper as a kid or something. Those are the kind of uh, reaction 
drills that you practice and train for. So again, I think Ter Stegen, obviously, you know, he always comes up big, but last night, I think they were just more spectacular because the way he was caught in the air. And as we've talked about, there were poster saves. So the next thing I want to talk about is my boy Dembele. Um, you know, I last night just reading the reaction on Twitter and also just watching, I mean, how many times they lose the ball, right? I mean, how many times is he dancing? And it was too much dancing. You know, yeah. you know I, I get the idea that you don't want to, to hinder his creativity for the ball and to do these moves. But at the same time, he has to know when to pull it back. But I also think it goes back to just having the playing time and the confidence to continue to play because Valverde has kind of just suffocated him by taking him out of the starting lineup. And now he comes in. Uh, he, he didn't really make a huge impact. You know, I mean, he made some plays. Um, he had a couple shots on goal. But again, I just, you know, the one thing that we hate is losing the ball in the, in the top third when there's no need to, right? There's a couple times where he could have pulled it back, gave it to Tomato, keep possession, but he gets, you know, basically double teamed by two Sevilla guys, loses the ball, and it leads to a transition on a counter. I mean, those last 15 minutes, how many times did he lose the ball that led directly to a counter? Yeah, like three or four so times. times. And that's directly, that's directly Dumbelli's fault. So he has to get better at that because especially at the end of the match when we're holding on for the victory, essentially, it's just keep away, right? That's all we're trying to do, just keep away. And then if you have a moment that you need to dance, you know, don't, right? <laughs> I mean, just, be, <laughs> just be conservative in the last 15 minutes, you know? Those are, you know, there's no need for it. There's no gain. You know, there's no gain in that in that type of movement. So right. he still and everyone was losing their mind on Twitter on this. I even read this morning too. Is, you know, people had me, uh, memes about people dancing and so forth, and it's just, you know, it's starting to bother a lot of Kool Aids for sure. Well, sure, yeah, because it's it's not productive, and I get that he. I don't think that he's just indulging himself because he has the skill to do it. I think it's actually that he just kind of doesn't know what to do sometimes. That's what it seems like to me. He's like trying to figure out what should I do here? And, and as he's trying to figure that out, he, he starts dancing and it's almost like a nervous tick. You know, he's like, he doesn't know what to do. So he, so he dances with the ball and like sort of half tries to beat a player, but not really. And, you know, what's really weird toward the, towards the end is how, how slowly he was moving. I mean, he's got this incredible speed. You know, why are you trying to dance around a player when you could just pop the ball out and outrun the guy? Yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing. Remember the the graphic that we had of Semedo, the average spacing, and there mm-hmm. wasn't help? That's also another thing. There wasn't enough help for him sometimes. There, how many times was he out by himself and there was three Sevilla people around him, right? He didn't have Semedo back there or Rakitic helping. He didn't have that kind of support. And so, of course, I just think it's funny that we're just calling it dancing, but essentially that's what it is. He's just dancing with the ball, trying to get space and trying to hold on to it. I get that, but you just got to pull it back and kind of know when to do that, right? I mean, especially in the last match, they had so many shots on goal. And, you know, obviously with Ter Stegen saves, but also, you know, a couple of times they, they had opportunities and it just leads to always putting pressure on our defense when there's just no need to. Yeah, you know, and just just bring it back, make an easy pass. That's you, we're up four to two. We're up four to one. Four to know, one. Four un, to one. Yeah. Because up until that ninety first minute, it was just four to one. Just yeah, make an easy pass. Keep it simple. Bread and butter. Just play the bread and butter, baby. Yeah. You know the possession. You're French, you understand this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> butter on everything, baby. Yeah, a little baguette and <laughs> beer. <laughs> yeah. 
I said and wrong, but I am. <laughs> now, actually, with Barcelona's goals, can we just work backwards for a second? Because I thought Rakitic's goal was just incredible. Blasted into the corner of the volley. Ivan Rakitic against his old team. He won't celebrate, but the new cap will. Think you got the name wrong, Phil. It's Ivan Rakitic. Rakitic ignites this one immaculately. The ball drops to him. Here just all is his dynamics, and it's the sweetest of hits. Cool as a greyhound's nose, forges this one out of his crucible. There's a personification of class in a glass on the new Camp Glass, Croatian style. I thought that was, I mean, he's a killer on the volley. We know this. But just the way that goal happened and the buildup and the way he put that away, I thought that was that was easily my favorite uh, finish of the match. No, I mean that that goal is just super technical. You know that that is something that you practice. The way he was able to get his hips over it, and it, I mean, and it was a golazo, lower left corner on the hit. I mean, pff, yeah, it's ridiculous, ridiculous hit. I mean, we've seen him do this throughout his career in Barcelona, and it's one of those things that you just. Again, it's like Ter Stegen in this match. These moments of brilliance that we forget how great Rakitic is as well, you know, that he's able to score these type of goals. And, again, I mean, that thing was just a hit. I mean, it can also came out of nowhere, just like you said. All of a sudden, he just cocked back and hit it, and you're like, oh, my God, it's a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a goal also for sure. Meanwhile, I think Suarez with his penalty. I mean, yeah, it was a good finish for a penalty, and I'm, I'm glad that he took it uh, because – Honestly, I think Suarez might be our our better penalty taker, and I think he should be the standard standard taker. Uh, even even though, of course, in this case, Messi was off the the pitch already. Even if he is on the pitch, I I think Suarez would be a better penalty taker for us in the long run. But that was good. But overall, I thought Suarez was playing really well, making a lot of plays, and uh, yeah, and his penalty was good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he definitely has more of a straightforward type of penalty penalty kick taking strategy so i like that because he just goes and just hits it right, and right. so i kind of like that instead of trying to do a 50 step run up like neymar used to do right you're just right. like oh my god just hit the goddamn ball you know <laughs> exactly so, so suarez is definitely just a three three step no nonsense just run up and hit it you know and i like that uh that's that was my personal style of taking penalty kicks. But like you said, I think he definitely had one of his better matches. His passing was a lot better, especially like on the first goal. Um, he was able to run a little bit better and he found spacing. And also just giving him that easy goal to penalty could lead to a little mini run, especially we're going to need him for the next couple matches for sure. Right. And then so working backwards again to the second goal, this was Messi's goal. Out on the break is Messi, but he's on his right, cuts to his left. that was also a really good one for me Messi's out in open he's out on the right he's in open space and he just he does it was very classic Messi right he just brings it in a little bit gets a little bit of space puts it away perfect technique just like like for him a walk in the park no big deal yeah yeah that's the typical textbook Messi goal lower left corner on the hit when he's running turns the defender, you know, on some bad, you know, footing there. And then he's able just to hit and 
I mean, it's basically a shot pass, right? I mean, he hits it harder than a pass, but it's not as crazy as a huge shot, and he just puts it perfectly. And when you watch that goal, it just reminds me of hitting into like a like a potato sack. The way it just hits it and rolls into the into the goal. It's just one of these. You know, if you look up the typical Messi goal, this is it, right? Yeah. With the way he turned to the left and hit it right outside the box and perfectly angled. I mean, again, when we were watching this in the, in the bar, people were just going, I mean, it, it's as as a player, just watching him time in and time out to do the same consistent goal. It's just remarkable. He's He's just one of a kind. Yeah. Now I mentioned how Rakitic's goal was my favorite finish, but I think the first goal was my favorite goal in terms of build-up. Driving in towards the 18, laid back oh! by Suarez. Messi tucks it forward. Oh, I really liked how Samedo, he turned and started this run. He cut in. And then just the way it built up through team play, you know, Samedo, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, because I didn't actually note, make notes on this, but I think it was Samedo into Suarez, out to Messi, Messi out to Coutinho. Brilliant assist for Coutinho for a, a pretty easy put away. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like you said, Semedo started. And I also, you know, as we talked about earlier, the formation of Sevilla in this moment, it was still so early. It was like in a third minute, right? Yeah. The third or second minute. And so they were just getting their footing and they kind of overcompensated where their midfield was. And so they left the hole with the Suarez give and go. And of course, Messi just find that passing lane. I mean, just through three guys, essentially. And Coutinho had the inside position. And of course he curled it in as he always does. And it definitely was a really great team goal. Probably the, obviously the best team goal of the night. Yeah. From the goal scoring standpoint, for me, there was really, it was kind of like a greatest hits album. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like they played yeah. all the hits, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got the victory. And also, you know, the other thing too, um, you know, PK looked a lot better too in this match as well. You know, he didn't look so lost as well. And I also think the partnership of Longlet, uh, Longley is, is helping as well. But, you know, going forward, you know, this is going to be our starting 11 for the next two matches. This is our strongest 11 with Dembele instead of Messi. I think that's going to help us a little bit with the balance of using the right side. I just hope he doesn't lose the ball as much. Obviously, we're going to miss Messi's playmaking. But, um, you know, I'm really excited for these two upcoming matches to see how Barcelona can respond with not having Messi on their on the on the field. Yeah, but I do think that we're seeing some really good things from Coutinho, of course, and Arthur and uh and I think we're going to see them my projection or my prediction is that we're going to see both of them step up more uh in Messi's absence. And uh, I, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the team is up for the challenge and it's it's a short term, right? It's he'll be back and uh you know, the other thing too for, you know, that Messi didn't hurt his leg right? It was an arm injury. And so it's not something that is life-threatening or career-threatening. And so they're going to see him around and we have good enough players and good enough depth to carry us through these next three weeks without him. So I hope everyone steps up and I hope Alverde uses that depth and we get these points because we can definitely take the league in these next couple of weeks, especially with both Madrid not playing up up to par. Yeah. So in conclusion, we're back on top of the table, but we lost our captain and best player for a few weeks. And looking forward, the question will be, can we stay at the top and stay competitive in the Champions League without Messi? (laughs) 
Special thanks to Max Bluer this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. Remember, we can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca! Podcast Network.